0: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Honestly Speaking Podcast. We're back in self-isolation. We got Jim, we got Farb, we got Eddie. We're covering a lot, everything from mental health, virtual happy hours, Instagram Live, the 2020 stimulus bill versus the New Deal, and the ethnic disparities of coronavirus deaths. So we're covering a lot, hopefully it's safe and home with loved ones. Kick back and relax. we're back at it this is pod number two that we're doing through through zoom in our self isolations we need to kick so we need to kick back yeah zoom's making all this money i know right Getting rich yo seriously zoom isn't there wasn't there like a big didn't the ceo who's,
1: who's jim's guy who's in all, into all the conspiracy theories the dude the dude who was on the breakfast club the black nationalist guy
0: jim turn your audio on
1: you know what i'm talking about yeah, he's talking about Dr. Umar Johnson. I thought you were talking about Chuck. I got two of them. I got one black guy, one white guy. No, 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 no. Dr. Umar Johnson. I'm, I'm shocked he hasn't come out with a conspiracy on Zoom starting the coronavirus.
0: <laughs> Umar. Hasn't he, though? Didn't he? Wasn't there something earlier on? I don't know. It was yeah, just like a joke, but not regarding to Zoom.
1: Um, Word. Well, fellas, the, the stats, came, they're coming out. And, you know, Jim and I are in Brooklyn. And you're looking at the map of New York City, and not shockingly, uh, the map of cases, the map of deaths, is all related uh, to income class and, and more specifically, race. Um, and of course, you know, early on, well, you can't on, separate people, any of you know, those things, were, right? I know. Remember the joke? So even a month ago, people were like, "Black people don't can't get the corona. We're good." Blah blah blah. And oh, yeah. I don't know who started that, but that shit was not helpful at all and it was super prevalent but regardless of what you know was said or not said
2: um, yeah but that I've seen i think a lot that of was the...
1: well that's not the reason right like that like that doesn't help people right like that's certainly yeah, there's yeah, people who course. didn't take it seriously and of course that doesn't help them but there's going to be yeah. naive people no matter who you are and like at the end of the day yeah, it's I... like someone someone was writing I mean, about that... like you know like we've got our people we're the best athletes but then we're the most unhealthy because of like systemically where we've been put in these neighborhoods. Um, yeah, the same then, thing so yeah, that Jim, makes you the, jump
2: in? the same thing that makes us the best athletes are the very same things that makes us most susceptible to disease and then dying from them. Um, but Ed, I think maybe that's where you come right in. Uh, I think in some ways interestingly we can we can make the connections between this conversation and that article you sent us regarding um the myth of the black athlete and sort of like the things we are either naturally good at or not good at.
1: Well, Ed, before if you, you go into it. that, can you, you, you had some stats. Can
2: you just tell people, unless they haven't seen it, like
0: what some of these actual stats are that we're referring to? Well, I think that, you know, I think the joke initially, just to touch on that, I think I think it, it started because most of the, a lot of the outbreaks started in Europe and in and, and Asia, and, and then all of the oh, right, different right. cases. I think, and not Africa, it yep. was like a, a uh, weeks week long delays before like the first case popped up and went in one in 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 any country in Africa or whatever so I think you know the internet started memeing out because of that I don't know if it was like i don't know if it was black american specifically also it could have been because i think more affluent communities white communities are going to get access to tests before um you know black black or latino people in 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 the city yeah, I mean, anyway confirmed I, cases
2: yeah I took my dad to the hospital and I told you while literally all of my friends are like yeah i got tested and this happened i had it you know i got tested i took my dad to the hospital for it and the doctor said well uh by the way my father has uh 19 and he's chronically ill but i heard the doctor said well i'm sorry sir we'll send you back home and come back if you stop breathing <laughs> and then i couldn't help but to think like wait all of my rich white friends are getting tested. Why is it that he has to come back when he stopped breathing? In other words, come back when you're dead. So how's yeah, he doing, Jim? He's hanging in there, man. That dude is he's next level. Um, he's not improving. He's not deteriorating. He's just, you know, he's just there, which I'm surprised. I thought it would have been worse. But um, is he at home or is he in the hospital? Well, he's still he's still in the hospital. They don't want to send him home yet. They don't Do they ha- think he's quite ready. Is he, is he on a ventilator? You know he's he's getting some oxygen here and there, uh, not a lot. That's what the doctor said. But every now and then they'll make him get up and go walk across the room. And by the time he gets back to his bed, he usually needs some air, which is also why got they're it. not sending home. But my dad, you know, my dad is chronically ill, and he's been chronically ill for at least 25 years. You know, he's he had a kidney transplant. He's high blood pressure. I mean, he's that prime patient that we've talked about right immigrant right. extremely poor chronically ill you know live in a poor, poor neighborhood super religious that played a major role in it too right religion was like man this thing is not going to happen to the jesus loving freaks and it's only going to happen to those who are not religious and yeah, there's a bunch of reasons why you know he was that perfect patient that usually died from this stuff and also the the i hate to use that word but it is what it is the privilege of social distancing is not the same for everyone right you have people who two three of them live in a a, a two-bedroom apartment right four five six sometimes and they are folks who have to go to work and you know they're in and out of the house which was the case with my dad so you know the, these are very difficult things to measure in addition to everything else obviously the historical factors and the medical factors and you know, class and race and everything we've talked about. Well, yeah.
1: I, I mean, just just to tap on some of these stats, though, real quick. I don't know if we we actually said them, but I think it's like in Chicago, twenty six percent of the population is African American, but set, they have seventy percent of the cases. And that type of statistic, I think, in Milwaukee, it's like they're even l- less black people, but they're like eighty some percent of the cases. So it's over and over, like these overwhelming numbers. Um, And it's to your point, Jim, you know, you look at the map, it's Brooklyn, it's Queens, it's people who can't afford work, it's people that are living in close proximity, it's people who don't have the same access to health. And, you know, it's been kind of getting beaten up in Twitter. But, you know, a month ago, people were like, well, the rivers are getting clearer, and the skies are better. This is like this great equalizer with all these different things. And, you know, we do have an existential crisis with with climate change as well, that has to be taken seriously. But there's no equality in this per usual well well well,
2: yeah i mean i mean far. i I think there are two things right there is the virus itself which i agree anybody can get it and my buddy dr Gore uh said to me you know he said don't get me wrong the virus is as as serious as it is but what's really killing people is the response and the lack of resources and the lack of health care and the diet the individuals had before the virus and the. The, the chronic diseases they have, which all are connected to some of the things we've talked about. So, Fab, you're right. The, the virus itself is, you know, it doesn't discriminate. But the responses is where you get the numbers and the data you're getting now based off of a whole bunch of other things. So the two make sense. And when, you, when, when I walk, I've been in the streets a lot, unfortunately. And a lot of times I'm out because I have to. I have to do certain things. I have to get certain things for my son, my dad. I got to move. And I can tell you for sure, about 75% of the people I see in the streets, either working, going about, are black and brown people. Um, That's, you know, they're just more exposed to it. All the guys delivering stuff, all the guys cleaning the streets, all the guys delivering food, they all look the same. And so, again, the idea that, you know, people smoking, it's just, the whole thing makes sense to me. When those numbers come out, I'm not surprised by any of it. So, you know, it's hard. Uh,
1: Also not shocking, but I was was on one of these, uh, and we'll... (laughs) We'll talk about it in a bit these these happy hours, these Zoom happy hours. But I was a part oh of man, these Zoom happy hours, man! I've never had one yet, but Jesus Christ, but I'm jealous. <laughs> so I was on this one, and it was not my family, but someone's family uh, who go unnamed, and uh, a certain family member who's like an older person out of state, <laughs> like white area, small business owner, was basically going on a rant, basically saying like, did we really need to like shut down and social down. distance i feel i feel like this is like totally overblown couldn't we yep. have just like black people off and like a lot of these talking points and you you know i kind of get it if you're in some places non-big cities where you're like is this thing even real like this is crushing my business yep. and this i'm gonna have to I'm laying off employees and it's this total out of sight out of mind and also you're you're kind of like buying into trump stuff like it's different facts. Like they thought that we didn't know the same day as South Korea, even though we did. <laughs> like we had the cases on the exact same day. They just did way more testing. We did not. That's how we can't isolate people. That's why we have a problem. Um, but it's 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 so consistent. Once again, in every it, this issue is the same issue we have in every other thing. There's this polarization on the facts that we get and the way that we look at life. And when you're outside of a city, you, you you can't believe, like they thought like when we were telling them that people are literally dying all around us every single day, and I can hear ambulances like every 20 minutes, and they're probably another COVID patient. They're like, is that real? And it's like, yeah, that's real. <laughs> like 750 people have died the past two days a day in Brooklyn, And I can,
2: I'm sorry, in New I York can, City. I, yeah, and I can see why some of those people feel that way because I can, I can tell you for sure, if you live in certain parts of Brooklyn, Those deaths also are not that real to you. They're not happening in your backyard. And I can tell you that because I've been in and out of both neighborhoods, you know? Yeah. Um, You know, my dad lives across from the hospital, Kings County, which is literally the hub for it. And when I'm in Park Slope or Cobble Hill or anywhere else and I go to that side, you can literally see it, man. It's it's insane. Like, you can see a world where this is happening, and then you go to another world where, you know, know people are aware of it, but it's not the same impact. Yeah
1: there's there's they're literally outside of like Brookdale and Bronzeville that hospital which is across from um, elementary where courts at like they have like freezer trucks for the morgue because there's so many people dying. Uh, And the kids she works with the kids she's doing therapy with there's they're they already had their own issues and and stress and trauma. And now they're they're sitting in, you know, trying to do remote learning. And they're watching trucks coming in and out. And by the way, like her schools lost a bunch of parents. So you're, it's just, it's such a frontline thing, but you're right, like, I talked to some people like yeah. in Manhattan and some of like richer zip codes and they're like, I don't know, it's like kind of quiet streets. Like, exactly, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't really, yeah. you know, you're, so it's, uh, even within a,
2: a city, there's a big divide. hundred percent. I mean, Charles Blow made a really interesting point I didn't think about before. He said, look, if the, if, he said, if most people in New York City live in Brooklyn, particularly most poor and people of color live in Brooklyn, why would you bring a hospital ship to the furthest part of the city which those individuals can get to, right? Um, the hospital ship
1: is such bullshit, too. It's not even yeah, doing anything. And,
2: and then it, it's – we don't even want to talk about the, the bureaucratic nonsense. The thing has a 1,000 beds. Right now there's 20 patients in there, you know? Yeah. Yo, Ed, let's get you into the conversation. What are we, give, give us some
1: history. Yeah, give Ed, us some
2: facts. So we're sorry, we're was, just we're popping off. I
0: was looking at – I know. Uh, I was good. I was looking at the, the 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 notes. You just you got statistics on your screen. It's like uh it's like you're just reading it is kind of crazy. All right. So I would I would say so. That's all true of, of of New York. Even though I haven't haven't I'm in Boston now. I'm not. Haven't been in New York for a couple of weeks, like a month, um, maybe six yeah. weeks or something like that. It's crazy. Oh, by the way, here, by the way, Ed, by uh-huh. the way,
2: you are uh, you are the the other uh, you are the other bunch of of, of black people that were. we're that we're talking about you're the, you're on the flip side of that shit got tough you, you jumped in your SUV and, and,
0: and went to the Berkshires right? All right, hold on a second. Hold Oak on, Bluff? hold on, hold on, hold on. I love nah, that, nah nah nah
2: Listen, nah nah you're not nah. Nah nah. Group, nah. You know?
0: nah, you nah, nah. Hold in, on. Nah nah. Someone's nah. gotta
2: stay in the hood and deal with it. Others, you know, we get away and get some fresh air. No, nah, nah. let me
0: qualify that real quick. Well, I was like, already <laughs> I was already out of the city because of my my torn Achilles. I was already in Boston. <laughs> I was already home because I was helpless when I couldn't, I can't, you know, my Achilles. I'm, I'm laid up. I can't even, you know, really uh, support myself. So I'm leaning on the fam for the help. And then the breakout, the shutdown happens, and I'm already here in the first place. I'm already out hey, of the Ed, Ed, city. You don't yeah. have to
2: explain it to me. If I had a country house in the Berkshires, I would be there you, brother. <laughs> keep
0: going. Keep going.
2: Keep going. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> That's my dream. You know, That's but, what I'm working for. Go
0: ahead. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll invite you out one time. No, I'm just kidding. I All right. appreciate so, it, bro. <laughs> but I think I think we had. I think you laid out a good thing. You, you, we got these like you talk about how certain populations are just more vulnerable than others, right? So you can you yeah. can dice it up in a couple of ways. You can dice it up in terms of like just sort of the ethnic lines of of who's more vulnerable than than one. We could do that, and then let's just talk about like you know just from um, just circumstantially. As as certain populations are more uh, vulnerable, or or are or, or more sort of uh, getting more cases than others, right now there's always, there's obviously overlap between those two groups, but I, I think from the circumstantially, right, you got the homeless po- the homeless pop- population can't stay home; they're literally out in the street, and they and they're one of the most vulnerable groups, right? You Which talk about are the
2: disproportionately black and brown, by the way. Again, we talk right. about it, these numbers and disproportionality. No, yep. no, I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to that. But you know, so let's lay it out real quick. The, the different, the different categories. The homeless population is uniquely vulnerable. The prison population and uniquely vulnerable. Undocumented immigrants, uniquely vulnerable. Folks that are overrepresented in the service industry and and therefore are essential workers, uniquely vulnerable. Right. So those categories, just in them on themselves, are more vulnerable to catching uh, these cases and ultimately coronavirus deaths. Right. And now you want and that and now you talk about the uh, sort of the the ethnic categories, just uh, uh, black folks, Latino folks, um, Native Americans, they're all sort of already predisposed to um, uh, more deaths in more more cases because of several things. When you talk about the sheer life expectancy, I was looking at like numbers on the CDC last night before, you know, uh, uh, staying up late rather than getting sleep uh, before doing this. So you look at this sort of life expectancy, these numbers were logged in in like 2017 or 2018 was the, was the, was the most recent. But um, as in terms of ethnic groups, you got Native Americans at the bottom. Their life expectancy is about 75.06 years. African-Americans, the next 75.54 years. White Americans, 79.12 years. Hispanic Americans, 82.89 years. And then Asian-Americans, 86.67 years years so those are the average years that uh people from those groups live and then within those groups you have a disparity between men and women women outlive men right so so you so you dice up the folks in terms of life expectancy the people that have lower life expectancy are more vulnerable to that right so then and then you get into like the more how society is organized in terms of housing and where folks live and then, you know, the people who are hit the hardest are obviously Native Americans and Black people because they live in um, super heavily segregated and concentrated um, uh, housing uh, developments in, 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 in terms of communities go. And then also they're more likely to 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 live there intergenerationally, right? So you got elders who are more close to the youth um, because they've been there yeah, for they're the two, they're the two longest ethnic, American groups besides you know maybe northern Europeans um, longer than most immigrants the Irish the Italians the Jewish black blacks and, and Native Americans have been here the longest right they they're I don't know what generation it like 12 15 20 25 generations so it's like they're they're spending uh, uh, time in, in generations in those environments and are, are more susceptible right so you dice it up a bunch of ways but I'll tell you what the early numbers of you know how Race and ethnicity is split up. The, the the jury's still out, but early numbers don't look good. And then, intuitively, from what we understand about uh, you know where these these groups are on the social st- social strata, we know that they're going to get affected more. So that's just going to play out in a pretty expected way. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think Jim would answer, but I literally think he jumped in an Uber, which is the funniest fucking thing someone's wow. ever done on a podcast.
0: Jim, <laughs> like, Jim is Jim is the definition of being out here.
1: Dude, got to be not the first.
0: Yo, he's like, Are you reporter. losing that
1: regular you, time? You, no, I'm guys, literally sitting in the Uber right now.
0: What are you doing? Jim is our ground reporter. He's out there, like, <laughs> you know, face-to-face with it. You know, he's on camera. He's telling us what it is. I told you, I'm uh, in these streets, man. You know, you bourgeois can stay in your Berkshires and Oak Bluff's all you want. well let's
2: uh but but you said some real stuff man i mean all the things you've just referred to are things that i see all the time and obviously live right right Um, yeah my you know my dad once he comes back from the hospital i have to figure out how i'm going to empty the house so he can be in there and still help him at the same time right like literally i have to think about how do i get uh my brother and my cousin who's there like a, a you know, a hotel room. Um, And again, in some ways, I'm kind of like, even though I'm not, I'm kind of privileged, right? But the average person who you just referred to in that bunch, they can't even think about that. Um, Right, yeah, no, they they can't. It's out of their control. Yeah, that wouldn't be an option. Right, exactly. So these numbers, when I see them and everybody's going nuts, and I'm literally pissed off because I'm like, nothing has surprises me. Um, Hopefully, Because of everything you've mentioned and I know so well. And now right, the, we, the, the, yeah. the question then is, would we come out of this better off in terms of, you know, the leaders in the government and, you know, private industry saying, OK, we know the issues. We know why these neighborhoods were hit the hardest. Here's what we're going to do to address that. Now, that's where my sort of like um, my anger really comes to play, because I know that even after this, that won't be the answer that's not gonna be the solution. Like, hey, let's invest in these communities. Let's make sure the next package that come out of Congress, which we know one is coming out, actually specifically address this particular issue. So OAC call for um, the next package to sort of like have this reparation types of connection to it in terms of addressing what's happening in these communities, in these black and brown communities particularly, which we'll wait and see what happens. But to me, that's the part I'm most, interested in because we know the issues as you've stated we've we've known them forever. I mean they are American history. The solution is what I'm most interested in once we do come from under this. Are we going to actually invest in these communities and make sure that you know American citizens have access to health care, healthy food, you know food deserts. That's another thing we didn't talk about Ed. A lot of people from these communities they're food deserts. They're not eating well. They have to go out and about these are all issues we can fix, and these are all issues we have the resources to fix, but we don't have the moral, um, sort of like, uh, backbone to address these things. And obviously, race is at the center of it all. So, you know, what do you guys say to that? What do you What do you think, Fab? I mean, you you're the optimist and in, and in, in the, in the box. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, you don't want. You I don't I'm know s- what well not America, but America,
1: <laughs> America. Nah, no, you know it's. I, just around the corner from me, there's just like one of these, just, you know, typical, just like neighborhood, terrible hole in the wall Chinese restaurants, right? Yeah. And I was walking mm-hmm. around and it was packed, it was totally course. packed. Yep. And like, no, you know, no one social distancing, no one with masks. Everyone's still acting like it's a month from, you know, a month ago. And I'm like, yeah, like, A, people need to eat. B, they're eating shit and this is like this is like the problem and it's not their fault per se this is just like the environment they've been given i actually want to move forward though because i think jim you like teed it up kind of well and i actually want to hear from ed a little bit about just the 2020 stimulus and because we're gonna it's we know there's gonna be more money to come down the road but like you know comparing that to you know maybe the last recession the bailout or even just like Talk about the New Deal a little bit, which obviously is your favorite thing. I don't want you to go down too big of a rabbit hole, but like Ah. real transformational stuff happened, not for all, but for some in the New Deal. And what type of things need to happen in these newer um, bills to actually start making change in your eye?
2: Yeah. So, so Fab, can I add one little part to that, Ed? Um, Yeah. What happened with FDR in the New Deal around that time that allowed... FDR in Congress to pass a bill even though many thought that it was going to help those at the bottom which obviously of some of the folks we're talking about now what, what was the moral courage then that they found that allowed that to become the law that we can't find today
0: um, well the biggest the biggest difference between this this past stimulus bill which is which is the the biggest package in terms of dollar amount, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Adjusting, even in just for inflation, that, that's ever been passed in American history from, from Congress um, versus like the New Deal is um, the New Deal bailed out the people. Um, this stimulus package is temporarily throwing a, a band aid to a couple of people, but it's really bailing out corporations again, just like uh, the 20, 2008 recession. I mean, so that's that's the big difference. Like what the new deal did for the first time in american history was erected a, a social safety net that didn't exist before right that was the prelude to 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 sub- suburbanization and the creation of a of a substantial middle class which there wasn't one before um but what we come to know uh today um you know obviously that was an exclusion to um uh, to the black population um and that was widened for uh uh, more than ever before, like the gap that we've come to understand today, but it a lot of the, the uh, uh, it widening out was originated in, in the New Deal. It existed before that, but the New Deal made it a lot worse. I mean, so oh, that's, that's like, interesting. You know, and I, yeah. I thought I thought that gap
2: was widened by Reaganomics. So you're saying it actually happened way before that with the New Deal,
0: way before Which I was that. talking I'm,
2: to Anne about last night.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, it really happened after emancipation and <clears throat> and you know the Homestead Act and 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 debt peonage and sharecropping, that's when it really be- began or c- basically continued uh, from enslavement. But yeah, the New Deal, it really, because ultimately what happened is, this is a bit different than than the Great Depression. <clears throat> the Great Depression in 1929 started from a stock uh, market crash. So I would say 08 was closer to, to to 1929 because the recession or the depression started mostly from an internal combustion. It basically was American industry imploding from the inside out, right? The banks failed in, in, in the Great Depression. They also failed in, in the Great Recession. That's not what's happening now. Now, the banks in the quote-unquote economy are, are basically fine. What's taint the economy is the fact that um, there's a crazy pandemic that's viral and keeping people in inside has basically stopped um, uh, the economy and all economic uh, activity on, on, you know, and, and blocked all of it from, from, uh, from powering the economy. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things. And that globalization
2: are Ed. what about globalization, yeah. the role it plays in, in the spreading of this thing and shutting down the economy, whereas I'm assuming 40, 50 years ago, globalization wasn't what it is today. Right? Like the idea that now you can ship jobs overseas and China is literally connected to the U S and the U S is connected to all over the world. Um yeah. Did that I mean the Spanish flu killed fifty million people. There was no global. Stop calling it the Spanish flu. It was like, the,
0: the American flu. around fast <laughs> <laughs> Or the flu pandemic of nineteen the Sp- nineteen or whatever. Look, yeah.
2: your Spanish people would not appreciate you that, know, Bob. I, that's true. That's true. My people <laughs> won't appreciate it. The the can that's the crazy. Kansas the Kansas
1: City flu of nineteen nineteen. But there yeah, I mean look, in a way, but I think this look it's a virus it moves around really quickly that's the whole point so yeah, yeah. the planes can speed things up but it was going to move around no matter what
0: yeah. yeah i mean it's it's like but the, the thing is that the like the banks are still in in good shape the economy in terms of fundamentally is still the same as it was before the virus started if the virus were to go away uh, tomorrow everybody activity ac- economic activity would just go back the way it was and then, the, you know, uh, obviously there's been a lot of injury uh, um, since the beginning. And now people losing jobs and layoffs and people losing money and and businesses failing. Um, but the bounce back would be um, a lot different than what was needed in the Great Depression. The Great Depression was, you know, it was, it was, it happened internally. You know, there was mad housing. Uh, there was a housing crisis. It was like 25%. Um, unemployment and that's when women weren't allowed in the workforce. So that it was much more severe um, than we can conceive of now. Um, and it lasted for four years before the New Deal went into place. It started in 29, the first policies of the New Deal didn't start until 33. And then the economy didn't actually bounce back until after World War II. So the New Deal floated folks and, and calmed the markets and 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 put society on the path to bounce back um, in the in the late 30s and into the 40s. But it was sort of the war industries revving up and working with an alliance with other countries during World War II that really got the economy booming again and then created the post-war boom, um, which more New Deal policies um, mm. basically uh, um uh you know, We wouldn't be with shit that. without that. Yeah, no, no, we literally really wouldn't
2: no. have
1: been shit without that. Yeah.
2: And the difference with the New Deal, though, Ed, versus now is there were actually legislation in that in that package right that that created for example medicare medicaid social security there were laws in place whereas this is just kind
0: of like more like money right yeah so the new deal a lot of those were socialist programs even though yeah. it's really interesting right because the whole those are socialist programs in a time where we were fighting socialist society and communist society right so there's a lot of conflict happening it. We're still fighting. it, Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the ability to, um, uh, you know, uh, organize unions as workers started with the New Deal. Medicare started with the New Deal. Unemployment insurance started with the New Deal. Social Security started started with the New Deal. Child Child labor laws laws started with the New Deal. Welfare, which was initially for white women um, who had to stay home and support the family while their husbands were out to war. Um, which Mm. excluded Black people initially. A lot of people um, don't know that. It started with the New Deal. Yeah, it was originally, and so was public housing, started with the New Deal, which was for war industry workers who were coming into uh, industrialized centers in cities that we know today. Um, Public housing was for middle-class white families and was created and maintained as such. So then you get all of this, the public good that was created that didn't exist before for and benefiting um, uh, the up-and-coming white middle-class over time, you mentioned Reagan. And uh, add really uh, quickly, there yeah.
1: there there was no white middle class like in the 20s. Like no, there
0: wasn't. It was yeah. basically
1: it, it was either robber barons or you were like a, like you are poor and working class. That was it. So yeah. even though yes, the New Deal created all this inequality between white and black and, and further schism, it brought right. white people into middle class in a way that never had happened. So on sheer numbers, it did a lot yeah. for
0: people. Um, yeah, exactly. So I just it's think it's like, an important important thing to you're right. call out. Middle class didn't exist. New Deal lifted white America into the middle class and left black people in the Great Depression. What, That's was, basically what. Yeah, happened. was the, was the GI yep. Bill a part of that? Yeah, the GI Bill. Right. So GI Bill allowed for um, uh, college scholarships for returning veterans, uh, skill building, job placement um mortgages where you didn't you didn't need a down payment but you got a really yep. cheap mortgage for the first time as a veteran in, which also created these, the,
2: the suburban sort of like world as we
0: know it right right exactly yeah that's where suburbanization yep. would happen through there in, in the suburbs as we come to to know today and all the boomers are raised in and all the millennials are raised in that was erected yep. and constructed through new deal policies and funding um, from the government yep. right so that's all socialism you know so, uh, so let me ask you this that. then if,
2: if 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 these programs and legislations and initiatives did so much to bring up the poor working white class into the middle class and upper class why would those very same people today be against that i think we, because essentially, I think we, essentially essentially that's yeah. what bernie bernie and so many others are, are are trying to sort of like reignite right when when they speak of medicare yeah. for all and such and such how's that different from the new deal and why why aren't those people supporting it today?
0: Yeah, I think we've lost sight of what the New Deal actually was. I think that happened partly in the Cold War, um, when we, you know, World War II is over. America is this new uh, world power um, more than ever, and and you know we're we're at odds with the Soviet Union and trying to spread capitalism and democracy on this worldwide campaign versus them trying to spread communism on this worldwide campaign and socialism too. So I think that socialism became more um, of, of more taboo and got lumped more in with communism over Cold War. So that's one thing. The other thing is that um, the public good, Ed, which is Ed, public I'm housing, sorry.
2: yeah. I know we don't want to say it to him, but you can't just jump over that. You just distinguish communism from socialism. That I can tell you for sure. Even a uh, uh, nerds like us not too many people can differentiate the two. So can you go ahead and address that a little bit? What's the difference between communism and socialism?
0: So socialism is an economic system and communism is a political system. Obviously those two things work together, um, but they are distinct um, from each other. You know, socialism can exist in a democracy. It can exist in... in, uh, Which it does. Which it does. Uh, It can exist in some forms in in communist, uh, you know, China or communist uh, Russia and... You know, it, so it, it's more of an economic focus. Socialism is than than a um, political uh, system. Now, people say, I think it was, you know, like Marx and so on say, don't do socialism. Socialism, communism is the ultimate end of socialism. Socialism, where you can't own any private property, and and you can't rise above your station of life at all. You're just sort of stuck, um, and everybody gets exactly the same thing, and there's no distinction, and there's no and there's no agency, and and, and so forth, right? So, you know, it's uh, basically there's a lot of a lot of countries in the world that are practice, have socialist policies, um, but, you know, aren't, quote unquote, socialist from a, from a political standpoint um, to where, um, you know, uh, uh, they're they're running a communist government. You know what I mean? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, for sure. 100 percent. Yep. It's sort of you like know, a hybrid a hybrid had- kind of thing. And let's, uh, far?
1: I think we should move on a little bit off. I think we should move off the history lesson for a second and Word. I think I don't know I, I've been really intrigued and I'm sure you have a bit as well since you've been in like the tech sector the past few years and then Jim's been throwing more startup ideas at me than like I've ever yeah, seen know, So right? everyone <laughs> is trying I'm to figure out kind of what yeah no, but I think it's cool right and we all get the sense that things are going to be different right you know I operate an events company that we also do original content. So we're trying to figure out how to do more original content right now. Right. Cause obviously we can't do events. Um, and I've just been super, you know, the zoom stuff has been interesting. We're, we're using zoom. Now, um, people are doing zoom chats. I think people are going to be a bit exhausted by the time we can finally come back on zoom. So I, I think there's I'm already, a trend, yeah, I will say, though, that these you guys have heard me going off about these IG lives that Swizz and Tim did. And I think there's something really interesting there. And I don't I think we're so new into it. But if people haven't seen it, Timbaland and Swiss Beats basically without telling anyone, I think it was like a week and a half ago or two weeks ago. Um, did an IG live with each other, and then they each played twenty songs back to back. So one person did one, the other did one, but like for like sixty seconds each, and they basically did like a, a, a you know, all their like favorite production. It was like a, a battle, yeah. with it, right? Well,
2: fun. It it it's sort of like similar to how hip hop started, right? Like the DJs used to battle in the totally. in the park, right? Totally. And
1: I think I think that's like the been the cool thing to it, right? Because. The old battle culture is like what, what made a lot of people fall in love with hip hop right Yeah I mean and that, so here that, you that, have two that, of the, the
2: bloodline of hip hop.
1: like what are these guys making like 250, 500, maybe even a million a beat like they're insanely right. rich, right? Yeah. And so everything they do at this point, they have managers, they have to get paid. they're not doing anything for free. So to see two of the biggest people go on Instagram for like two three hours and just have drinks, laugh like we would do. Um, And so anyway, it's starting to evolve. Like T-Pain and Little John did one. They had like 300,000 people watching it. Uh, Scott Storch and Manny Fresh did one, which was like hilarious. Manny was like just, you know, repping like (laughs) New Orleans just hard, just being kind of a clown. And Scott Storch was smoking weed the whole time. Uh, But (laughs) it it, it keeps building, right? And they're kind of saying that maybe Pharrell and Kanye will do it. But there's something interesting about – the, the the fact that you you can be on these chats you see your biggest like celebs like i was on a joe budden live yesterday and he was like oh shit like uh, um drake's in this yo get your ass in here and he tagged him in and then drake was just sitting in his apartment kind of drinking so laughing He's like yo man i don't <laughs> want to be in here right now like like you're gonna give me shit and then like eventually tagged out but i was like wow we're all just like in the same place and the way that yeah. fans and celebs are interacting is in a way that hasn't been done before. And 100%. there's definitely going to be something that, something that comes from this. Um, it's like a direct be really, connection really, really between cool.
2: the consumer, the consumer and the producer, right? It's like there's never been a time where you can literally reach out to whoever your idol is, or you look up to, you can, you can try, they may not answer, but you can literally get to them.
1: That's crazy. Or see them or see in, right? Like you go into like one of these battles and it's like, every rapper you grew up like literally just fanboying the songs that are being played like side by side right. yeah
2: yeah. And yeah i'm helping that's a it's see. a really cool feeling
1: that i think like a just people need to have but uh who the hell knows where it goes but I, I just think that there's a lot of learnings from just like what people want and i think that's the biggest thing right whenever you start Ooh. a new business or idea you're like what's a problem what is missing and what's a big market to fill into and they're clearly doing something because, like, it's crazy for even them. They're like, holy shit, more people are seeing me than, like, an entire, like, stadium
2: tour I would do in, like, yeah. three months. Yeah, I mean, we've um, talked so about anyway. that, right? There was a time where those artists had to go through a medium in order to get to the fans, right? Like, they literally had to yeah. do a press something. And now they can go straight to us. So you guys in the tech world, what does that mean? I mean, how do you see this play out after this is done? Do you think that COVID-19 has sped up? uh technology in a way like never before i mean what andrew yang has been talking about is sort of like automation of workers and businesses i mean we were already worrying about that but especially after COVID 19 you think that we're going to come from under this sort of like ready and willing to say you know what this is the future and we know why it's the future and what does that mean for the low-wage workers which we're also talking about here jim it's funny i saw this i saw this big VC on twitter the
1: other day he goes Findings that are already coming out of the quarantine. We only actually work like three to four really effective hours a day.
2: A hundred percent.
1: We need way yeah. less meetings and yep. we have and we have way too much office space. So and and that's <laughs> he's specifically talking to the tech economy, right? I still think there's something really nice for a lot of jobs to be there with like your team, like in an you know, together, but it's scary because I think Andrew Yang's right in the sense that uh, a lot of these new economy jobs are gonna actually need
0: less and less people. So, but who knows, maybe maybe not. I agree. I was one of the, the versus, uh series that you're talking about. I definitely, I'm gonna check the next one out live. i only watched highlights. I haven't caught any of the other ones live, but you gotta shout out. I feel like it all started with D-Nice. Am I wrong? Oh yeah, yeah, D- yeah. Nice. no, he did. I, I yeah, feel yeah, like he it started did. with him doing the you yeah. know, and then it just evolved from, the DJ doing the live yeah. DJ session. Everybody Obama was in his DM. Yeah. yeah. Everybody it was, was like in some, his DM. It was like this rediscovery no, no, right. of what IG Live could be used for. And now you get and, and and right, to your point, Jim, uh, I mean, that's what the Internet is. Right. It's it, it's a it's a disintermediary like it's you you take out the middleman. So like yeah. artists and whoever can connect with the, with the people um, that, directly. Right. So I think and I think it's super important. I think one of the, the biggest things that it's done and will continue to do is with with music being free, you know, you know, the, the whole selling CDs that whole industry dying, streaming services popping up, and and basically artists unable to make any meaningful money from streams or from their music per se. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not only just touring is more important, but also like the connection that artists have with their fans uh, and positioning themselves as brands. Like it opened up a new revenue stream that didn't exist before. I mean, it did exist before, but like, I think it's more prevalent now. Just like brand partnerships and that. You know, you're you as an artist are a brand and you can do you can do these brand partnerships to then to then advertise to the eyeballs that you bring in through your social accounts. Like it's this new but, thing that's still evolving.
2: But Gents, how, how, how will artists position themselves to benefit from this? Because we know that most of these tech companies are owned by the same dudes that look the same way, have the same backgrounds as the people who own, you know, Universal Records or Geffen or, you know, all those big dogs those are also the same people owning tech industries and and platforms. So how are these artists positioning themselves to really negotiate and get a fair deal? Because we know that's not happening all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, that's the age old problem, right? I mean, here, let me tell you how this ties into the new deal. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. Okay. So, but the, the, (laughs) yeah, I mean, they, we, they don't own, we don't own the distribute, the distribution. We're not the gatekeepers. I, I mean, well, we,
2: we talked about that on our first podcast, remember? Know, we we right? talked we about talk the SBA, yeah. you know, yeah. sort of like those who produces the raw material um, <laughs> do not control the distribution channel. And that's true in hip hop and music and film and, and even when it comes to farming and the food industry, right? Like the farmers makes, make the product, but Walmart is the one that gets to decide what that product will be and how it gets sold and what's the price and all of that. So until that market, that gap is closed, what does that mean for the producers of it? Shout out to my boy, Michael Parker, by the way, who educated me on this. He told me that things will never change as long as the distribution
0: channel is controlled by one group and the producers are another group. There you go. I mean, that they, those... The the group that makes the laws and and controls the government owns the, the distribute like it's just it's just it's it's all it's that's so the connected. common denominator it doesn't matter you know, what the industry is whether it be hip- crazy well obviously we're more represented in hip hop and entertainment because there's there's a there's, a, there's a, a storied history there that's not always pretty but like you uh, storied under-
2: history I I think the reason why we are obviously going back to that article again in many things is because I find entertainment at least everything i've seen i find entertainment to be the closest thing we have in this country to a
0: meritocracy yeah it's evolved it's evolved to that but also there's there's a particular fascination with black culture in america and globally okay. um yeah. which 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 can't be decoupled from you know other things you know what i want to get into it but yeah. so <laughs> but, but like but like the the dentistry in the dentist industry or whatever you know whatever like like we're underrepresented there. And even if we were represented well in there, we wouldn't control the, you know, the levers in that industry either. Like this, so, this inequality seems, is going to be across the as as in if, every industry.
2: It seems as if- You're as coming as for the, the dentists with,
0: I know, right? <laughs> I have a few dentists <laughs> friends. Ed, it
2: seems as if that, those, that disproportionality you're referring to, usually we are on those numbers disproportionately when they are negative. Like for example, I'm not so sure you can go in a corporation and say, oh, my God, this is so misrepresented. We have so many black or women CEOs or whatever. But when the numbers flip, when it's something negative like COVID-19, then the numbers are also skewed at the same time uh, with the individuals who are contracting these, these um, viruses
0: and such and such. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think for all of the just all of the bad things about this country, um, we're going to just bear more of the brunt of it just because of the position we're in and then all of the yeah. good things when we're, we're gonna we're sure. gonna be underrepresented and we're going to um you know uh gain less from that like it's just kind yeah. of
2: and they work in tandem that makes sense
0: you know so i it's it's, it, it's it's just sort of interdependent that way so fellas, let's uh
1: let's close out and, and I, I would want to say I, I see there's a, a dot here but on uh on therapy and i'll, I'll actually Jump in right. and say, "I've never, even, yeah, I've yeah. never been to therapy, but I've been Same. having crazy bad anxiety yeah, therapy." Uh, the past week, uh, I'm not anti-therapy. Oh, yeah. We just did a whole film on on therapy. Oh, no. um, conflict is but great, man. But, You know, I like conflict. I know, man. Um, but yeah, I, I've been actually up in my meditation game. I had like a straight up panic attack Friday night in the middle of the night. It was it was
2: bad. What what and is a panic been, attack? What is that like? So so I woke I'm, I'm up, asking you because I'm not being like facetious. I have friends who are like. They're like, man, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I'm this, I have panic attacks, and I literally don't know what that's like, and sometimes I sound like an asshole, so I'm really trying to, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
1: I think it's crazy, the toughest part is that I think I've had, like, one in my life, and it was, like, 10 years ago, so it's not something, like, I was prepared for, so I woke up in the middle of the night around, like, 3, and I'm, like, my whole body's on fire, and I'm, like, totally hyperventilating. Um, mm. Like breathing super hard, I feel like I have a lump in my throat. I feel like I can't breathe, and in your mind, you feel like you're dying. Mm. So it's a total mental like breakdown, like freak out, and it probably lasts. I don't even know. Like you like kind of like in and out, like like for like an hour, and I'm like freaking out. I'm like uh, thinking I have like something wrong with my breathing. I should maybe go to the hospital. courts, like trying yeah. to maybe, like start breathing better. So I finally, like after hours of like, kind of like heavy breathing, finally kind of go back to sleep. And then I would say the past like three, four days, I've gone like in and out of like heavy anxiety where I'll be like, okay. And then I'll start feeling like super tightness. And like the past two days- anxiety,
2: I anxiety, like, it's like fear of <laughs> something wrong happening? Yeah, like, yeah. What, what is like, that feeling? You
1: just start like your entire body starts like, like toes and hands starts getting real sweaty. You start getting like heavy breathing. You start once again, feeling like there's like a lump in your throat and you just start getting like panicky, like everything just gets full panic. And even in your mind, you're like, chill out, right? Like, even if you can be rational in your mind, it's hard because then you start playing into this loop that something's wrong.
0: So basically
1: what it is in a way is like, if you're living too far in the future, your brain can start. Just like winding up, and I'm someone Mm -hmm. who's always thinking ahead, living in the future, and all this stuff has totally winded me up. I'm not exercising as well. You know, we've been inside, we've been cooped up. There's a lot of just general uncertainty. So, like today, this morning, I went for like a super long ass run, just trying to be like, all right, I got to be like healthier. Like, because last night I also slept terribly, woke up in the middle of the night with like crazy angst. And so, I don't know, I, I would say anyone else who's going through that. I would just say, you know, I, I've been trying to meditate twice a day. I'm trying to exercise like a lot better. I'm hoping I sleep better tonight, but it's a—it's uh, clearly just like a process um, mm-hmm. that you just kind of have to work with. But I'm assuming if I've been, I've never really gotten it like this. Like I've always had like underlying anxiety, but never like a full out like attack. And, but it, you're so, it's so funny. I've heard people talk about it all the time and I'm like, what are they talking about? Like, what yeah, does that actually too. like mean? And then it happened mm-hmm. to me and I was like, oh, this is like the worst feeling shit of all time. Uh, it's mm-hmm. totally, totally like debilitating.
2: So are you, are you more sort of like willing to engage in therapy now after this? I mean, I've, I've been in therapy for a while and I'm still doing it through this period. So I talk to my therapist every Friday morning. And, you know, we've talked about it before. I think of therapy growing up where I come from, where you, if you if you raise that point, people would be like, you know, get the fuck out of here with that white shit. Obviously, again, <laughs> which is all connected to the conversation we've had earlier, right? Um, but, you know, for I'm sure. in therapy, and it was a struggle for me at first. I'm like, well, fuck, I'm coming in here, and I'm telling this lady about my feelings and shit. Who gives a fuck? Damn, I'm sorry. I'm cursing too much. Um, But over the Have years... Have you ever had a panic attack,
1: been, or, or was it more just... Like, was it more just, like, depression or just, like, what was the feeling for you?
2: You know, for me, well, what got me to therapy, I'm far. Yeah. Yes. For me, it was, you know, I went through this breakup and it was really, it was different because, you know, we've talked about that person all the time. You got tired of hearing about her. Um, And it was just different, right? Like, the level of sadness and things I was experiencing was really unique. I mean, I've been through a lot of different things in life. But that one, it was more with, it was more around feelings and things that I couldn't like uh, capture, right? And so Marty's wife, Amy, who's a sweetheart to me, she's a therapist and she recommended, she said, you know, why don't you try therapy? I think that you may benefit from it. And obviously respecting her and loving her and she's a therapist, she told me that I was like, you know what, I'll give it a try. And, And Marty gifted me the first year of therapy That's what really got me into it. And at first I was fighting back and I'm like, Oh, this is not for me. It's not going to work. And then after that first year, I, now I'm forward to it. You know, like right now, um, I'm actually looking forward to Friday to speaking to my therapist because there are things that help you unpack and things that help you understand. And in a way that I've never previously thought about. Um, so it's been really helpful in that sense. And obviously for me, I'm still going for long walks and running, which I think is a great way to social distance. Um, so it's been the moment, the 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 mental health aspect has not been like that much of a burden for me um, during the past mm-hmm. month. How about you Ed,
1: you ever uh, done therapy or ever had any stress um, or you, you You breezy in Boston?
0: <laughs> no therapy, <laughs> I've I never done therapy. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, he used I've Boston. Been... He used Boston.
2: He think he's slick. He he says Boston, yeah. so we can think he's like in you know, um, Roxbury <laughs> or something. We
0: know he's in the Berkshires. <laughs> <laughs> Berkshire. <laughs> yeah, what is it with you in the Berkshires? Now, um, <laughs>
2: there, there's a story there, and I'll tell you another.
0: Oh, <laughs> yo, okay, this is for another pod then. But no, nah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't done therapy. I I haven't had too 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 bad a time. I mean, I I think I've been. This is. I've already. I was. I was kind of. Before this pandemic, I was already grounded in another way with my Achilles injury, so I was kind of already homebound, and yeah. you know, I, that that stressed me out because I was really annoyed and having to do surgery for the first time and everything. But like that, I kind of got all of that out of the way before the shutdown happened, and then the shutdown happened, and it just sort of hit me differently. And then also, I'm I'm not self employed. I'm not an employer, uh, and an entrepreneur like you, like y'all are. So I think it's 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 hitting me different. It may be in a less, it's it's just less for me, I, I think, for now. But I, I would say a combination of, of, of things, um, you know, for y'all would probably make it, you know, it's, it's, it's more interesting to, to, to see the effects that um, y'all are having with, uh, you know, being self-employed and entrepreneurial in this whole thing. But just in general, like, I would never liken this to what everybody's had with self, with home isolation, with, um, you know, being locked up. But like, the the, only ignorant people say stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. The few parallels that I would say is like, just sort of severe immobilization, having to stay somewhere. Even if you you have different rooms, you can walk around and stuff. But like, just severe immobilization is definitely unhealthy in and of itself. You know, I mean, people can walk outside and stuff, but you have to social distance, but we're not, we're just not on the move the way that we want to be or have usually been. And I think that that has an effect as well.
2: Yeah, and I think the effect might even be more on people who traditionally have been able to move in and out, you know, as freely as possible. People with, you know, money and wealth and access and a lot of things. So right, but right. I, what I find it, what I find interesting in this convo is that the hoodlum is the only one um, uh, advocating for therapy. Two-time <laughs> who, you know, who, would, who knows, man? Who knows?
1: I'm it doing will. a consultation tomorrow. That's that's a big step for me. So we'll we'll see. We'll have to check back with me. And see see if I'm still on it. But I got yeah, I got pushed to it, the edge.
2: You never know. Yeah. Even, look, the thing you can do is even if you do like, hey, I'm gonna try full sessions, right? Like sometimes it's just for a period of time. You may realize like, you know what? Because of this, for the next few weeks, I'm gonna do full sessions, and then I may leave it alone, and you know, it doesn't have to be a like a lifelong thing. Um, yeah. So yeah. It's good, man. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, look, we talk all the time with people, right? Especially some of us who are lucky who have smart. <laughs> look at this. This is so funny.
1: Look, I am engaged just, to a therapist. So, if I was
2: not pro therapy, that would be a problem. Like social distancing. Hey, you you see the wire in their hands? Um, there you go. Yeah, Jim, where are, are you? You went from an think. Uber
1: to, to the curb? Where, where,
2: yeah, I was in the hood. Where are you reporting from? I was in the hood, and I'm in the suburbs. You know? Yeah. Suburbs. You like? You know, like you.
0: hear the birds chirping? Watching you. You're like the whole uh, no. travel channel, my G. Like this is crazy. <laughs> this is so entertaining. I'm, I'm so mad that the listeners I really can am. see what you're doing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I really am.
1: Say hi <laughs> to my man Moses. All right, fellas. I, I, I think I think we're a wrap.
2: This was great talk, um, yeah.
1: So everyone, stay safe. Yeah, we covered a lot of good stuff, and we'll, yeah. we'll be back next week, so we'll have more to report on. But uh, everyone, stay safe, stay healthy. Yeah, uh, check we'll on, that.
2: check on your neighbors.
0: Word. In a safe way. Peace.
1: In a safe right. way. Peace, yeah. Talk sweet.